Hello and welcome back to 3Gen Theology. Uh, we are so excited to continue in our uh, in our study here of hermeneutics. Uh, at the end, as usual, we have the, the usual suspects. It's uh, Grandpa, uh, Dr. Jim Ruff, and uh, Dad, myself, uh, where, where we uh, went through our first part of hermeneutics uh, to start, and we're excited to get back in. Uh, we uh, we do this podcast because we're excited about uh, sharing God's truth with with the church with believers, uh, and we, uh, we 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 love uh, we love this this section of hermeneutics because it's uh, not that theology isn't practical, uh, but as Grandpa is probably rolling his eyes, uh, this feels uh, particularly practical, and so uh, we're excited to, to jump in and uh, and, uh, and and study this. Some uh, we're excited for you guys to be along with us. So Grandpa, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? on part two here of hermeneutics. All right, let's pray before we do. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you have lifted this word up even above your own name. And this is an amazing thing to us as we realize the authority and the power that is in that name, the honor that is yours. And yet you have given us your word that we might be able to know you. And that gives us hope. Because, Lord, while we're in this world, we do not see you with our eyes, but we see you with the eyes of faith. And we walk with you, and we enjoy you, and we grow on the basis of taking in the truth of your word. So guide us today as we study this truth, as we learn how to better be students of the word, uh, and not just listeners, but hear, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word in our own lives. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The complexity that we discussed last week uh, about the scriptures, that, that they seem to be filled with, with difficult ideas and uh, places and people who we don't know. Uh, it's, it's full of ideas that are new to us and full of teachings that sometimes are very clear and other times very difficult. Even in Jesus' day when he taught uh, the disciples, he stood in crowds of people, some of whom knew him and some of whom did not know him. And he would teach something, and then the disciples would gather with him afterward and say, Master, what was it that you were teaching there? What did that mean? And he would say to them, these things were intended for you to understand. Not for them, but for you to understand. And we find that through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through the illuminating ministry that he has in our lives, through the wonderful, glorious truth of the scriptures as they are brought to us, um, we begin to grow and prosper in our faith. And the word of God is intended for that purpose. It is the, the milk and the meat of the word that helps us to grow in our Christian lives. One of the issues, guys, that I think very often becomes a stumbling block when we talk about things that we need to understand to study and to uh, interpret the Word of God correctly is the whole issue of languages. People say, well, it's fine for you to say that you understood that passage because you know Greek or you know Hebrew. I don't know Greek or Hebrew. I know a little Greek. I know a little Hebrew. I don't know any thing more than what you have told me from those languages. How am I supposed to know 
whether what I'm reading in the Bible is said this way in the Greek or if it's said this way in the Hebrew, um, how will I know what the idioms are? How will I know what the figures of speech are? I, I can't find that information, can I? Well, the answer to that question is, yes, you can. Because in this generation, we have more helps to understand the biblical languages for, pers for people who don't otherwise know those languages than any generation has ever had before. It's an exciting thing to be able to say to you, if you want to study the languages of the Bible, if you want to understand the languages even without studying them, if you want to know what the words mean, if you want to know what the figures of speech are, there are helps available in study Bibles and in books that are written for people who don't know the biblical languages to help us to understand the word more. One of the easiest things that I have found that I've been using for, I don't know, five or six years now, I'm sure it was available before that, but I've been using it that way, just a simple thing, in whatever search box in, you have for your internet, if you type in a reference and interlinear, Mm -hmm. um, it will bring you up uh, a couple different websites, Bible Hub or Bible Gateway, I think, are the two that do it. Um, and it will give you the, um, the, the verse, the original language with each of the words, the Strong's number, um, and, and then all of that is clickable. So you can click on the Greek word and it will bring you to a definition of it. Uh, you can click on the strong, then it will bring you to references in other places in the scripture that that word is used. Um, it's just amazing um, at, at such a simple level um, what a resource, just, just that. So mm -hmm. on your phone, on your laptop, um, on your tablet, just in any, any internet search box, if you just type in a reference and interlinear, it will bring up. Um, you know, one of these two, and you have a wealth of original language. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't do the idioms, but it does give you a sense of what the original length. So sometimes we're, we have one word that's, that's translated as a phrase, like uh, the scriptures are God breathed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, it's, it's ins we have it in the English translation as inspired by God. So it's a phrase, but it's actually one word. And so you would see that in the, in sure. the interlinear version of that, right? Right. So that's just a really simple way uh, for any, from anywhere, anywhere you are ever, to just, you know, look that up. So I've been using that for some time. Um, Sai was just talking about how he was excited about our church having access to Logo software, mm -hmm. and um, um, uh, so I just did a presentation on on yeah, tell, using tell. it in front. So tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we're using uh, a, so Faith Life is the parent company of Logos, and we're using uh, Faith Life Equip, uh, which if you are a pastor that are that is uh, at all technologically savvy, it's something to look into. We've we, we've really appreciated it in the couple months we've had it, um, but it gives. Uh, 
uh, a couple thousand dollars worth of a couple a couple hundred books worth of references to our to our church members to every single church member, um, and we've loved that. Right, we look at as we uh, as we're pastoring the church, we are enabling the church. Right, we're we're enabling them to study to understand who God is better, and we think this is a, a very natural way to to enable that. Not only uh, you know are we giving. Are we giving them uh, study material and uh, and and things that they can study study scripture better? But they all have the same stuff, right? And so then, even as we look at uh, Bible studies and we look at uh, other things that that's going on with that, right? That's an area where our church. We, they can communicate, they can see truth and communicate that, that to someone else and they don't need to, you know, try to figure out a way to get that book to them or for them to go buy the book or find whatever book that is, but every single one of them has the exact same uh, information, right? Um, and so that's something that we've really been excited about uh, through this is just having that that opportunity of using Logos. Now, Logos, uh, that Dad talked about the, uh, you know, just searching, using a search bar to search for things. The internet is a wealth of knowledge and it's easy knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, Logos it has a little more of a learning curve to it, um, but it's got a great wealth there as well. So I think both ways, it, there is great value in learning how to use Logos and how to, learning how to use uh, this software. But there's also a wealth of knowledge outside of that, just in you know on on the internet. Um, and so uh, we, we're really excited about what that means for our church and what that means for uh, for us as we as we study Scripture. When I was a, a brand new Christian in Japan, so, so did they put the Greek on tablets? Did they put them on? Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> when I came he to was know just, the Lord he was in, the, papyrus, in the 1960s, you know, <laughs> which I know was the last century, it was uh, the last millennium. Um, one of the things that I did almost immediately after becoming a, a new believer in Japan was uh, I went with a missionary who w- baptized me, actually, uh, to a small Christian bookstore in a, a Bible college that was there uh, not far from where I was stationed and bought my first concordance and I also bought my first study Bible. Um, a concordance is a, a book that is very handy if you have to you be using a book, which I recommend very often, uh, that actually helps three, three you. Three gens theology. That's right. Old gen. <laughs> right. That, uh, that really helps you to be able to see how many words are used in Scripture, where they are found, uh, even down to the, the, uh, the smallest participles in our, our uh, prepositions in Scripture can be found in a concordance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a book that I've used for many years, but what I was thinking of as is, is, uh, Sai was talking is that actually now you can get free Bible software from the internet that you can use to do practically the same thing that you would do if you were using the concordance. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to think that the work has been put in to make these tools available so that you can actually do Bible study, word study, and uh, if you find a good Bible uh that is filled with lots of helpful notes, you'll find that a lot of the figures of speech and other things like right, that right. are explained yep. in those notes. So if, if you're interested in some of those uh, and you want to know more, 
please be sure to drop us a note and we'll be glad to to let you know more of the materials that right. are available so that, that's kind of an interesting an interesting question uh, maybe dad uh, I think all of us would have an interesting perspective on this if we had a brand new believer that had just come to Christ uh, and they're wanting to dig into scripture what what would be our first what would be our first suggestion for them as far as their as far as how to study scripture I mean, like uh, obviously, we're going to talk through exegesis and, and that, but you know, if we're going to hand them a book or hand them something, or what, what, what would that be? I don't think there's one answer to that, um, because I think different there's there's different different people, right? right. There's different people. Uh, so for some people, a um, a study Bible is exactly what they should have, mm-hmm. because what they want is to dig in. And then as they're reading, blurb, you know, right. blurb, and read more in blurb, you know. Uh, uh, for some people, um, it is um, a, 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 a course, a book, mm-hmm. uh, a something to lead them through something. Um, so it's not really one, I would say, one answer for that. Um, um but I would think one of one of those two kinds of things, yep. um, and then something that I've that that I haven't been great at um, that that is becoming more of my mission is a Barnabas idea that mm-hmm. that I that um, to not give them something and say have a good day, right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, right. but to, but to work alongside with them um, and to ch- check in with how that's going, what they're learning from it, and. Those kind of things. One of my favorite days in Japan would be the day of the week that I would go to the little building that we were using as our uh, center and there gather with the new believers and sit down with the Word of God open in Japanese, of course, in this case, and to lead them through initial Bible study and then to answer their questions about what they had been reading. It was a discipleship time. That's what you're right. really talking about. Right. It's being alongside yeah. of that new believer and helping them to learn the first steps involved in studying the Word of God and then directing them from that point to helps that will allow them to continue on when we're not there. From a church organizational part, the things that are easy to organize are ineffective. Right. Because people are different. That, that's, what, that's what I was trying to say. Yep. If we could have one, one thing that we do for every believer, it's going to be good for some of them and not great for, for others. Um, so should a church have an organized thing? Yes, they should. <laughs> right. But the, the awareness that that thing's not going to work for half right. of, of the people, you know what I mean, it is, is, is a good assessment. You know what I mean? Um, right. So, um, you know, that, that, that kind of, I think there, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of starter mm-hmm. books in it. So in my, in my thought, it, it makes little difference, which of those first steps books you use um, to help someone, because it's much more about you helping them get in the scriptures and go. Yep. Um, but it, that requires work and attention and and uh, actually where where I think our our next years are going to be is on the 
that next level of training, discipling disciplers right. mm-hmm. in that in that area. Yep. You know, um, and, and I think that's much needed. Right. And there's no reason every believer couldn't be that. And I think that's, that's right. really where there's a failing in this area of interpretation, too, is that, well, I know some of the Bible, but I could never really help mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you can. That's exactly what God right. wants you to do. You yes. Know? yes. Uh, so, you know, I think that... Um, that, that going going back to that, I think some I people think right. some people yeah. want the um, uh, I want to dig into uh, a book of the scripture, and other people want more of a well. You got to tell me how I'm going to do this thing, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think there's just a real difference in how people do it. I think the the exciting part about this whole aspect of of teaching the word and discipling people in in the word is that. The limitations that we sometimes put on the process are knocked away by the whole process of doing it. The limitations that we sometimes put there is, is these, these paternalistic parents that are hovering over the top of these believers and saying, oh, they can't possibly understand that. Oh, they can't possibly do that. They can't, oh, they can't learn that. Oh, no, that's far too difficult for them. And that, that whole paternalistic side of us gets knocked away when we have the opportunity of watching a young believer, even a child, begin to grow and yeah. ask wise questions and and show that they've understood the lesson and the that the story that they've just heard has more meaning to them than just the subjects in the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is part of the excitement of this whole process, mm-hmm. is learning that, and, and one of the things that we as missionaries often had to remember was that God moves us on. We're not going to stay with our, our sure. young believers forever. There's a time when we turn the ministry over to a pastor. And there's a time when those believers are home and not with that pastor. And are they going to continue to grow? Yes, because they have the Holy Spirit, just like we do. Right. And they can learn from us the things that they need to know to do just what you said. Yeah. And that is to help new people people they lead to the Lord grow in their faith yeah I always think it's funny you know uh, Paul Saul at the time was uh, preaching in that town before he knew any better (laughs) that's right and now you might say well he's he's the apostle Paul you know of course he was but no that's you know the idea is when you come to know Christ all of a sudden you have this relationship with God that you can communicate about Mm -hmm. And as you learn the scriptures, now you have something you've learned of the scriptures that you can help others with. So we, we so much put tear, tears on things and we think, well, I'm not a pastor or I'm not, you know, this mm-hmm. level of, of mm-hmm. Christian, so I can't help others. No, that's not, that's not, not the true. scripture's idea of believers at all. Um, to say something about this, this ease of information that we have. There's a danger to that ease of information in that there is there is um, wrong teaching out there. Yes. Now we see throughout the New Testament, especially the warning against wrong teaching, mm-hmm. um, and we historically have looked at different authors of commentaries and different writers, and we've we've analyzed their books, and we've had books about that book, and then a book about the book about that book, and right, we've, right. we've done all that, um, and and a lot of that's really good that we're concerned about what people say about the scriptures be accurate 
now we have crazy people doing podcasts saying whatever they want about the Bible. Right? Yeah, right. true. And so the information that we do find, especially on the Internet, um, is not necessarily accurate. So Second Timothy tells us we want to accurately handle the word of truth. Right. And so there are many helps that are wonderful right at our fingertips, but not all of them are helpful. Right. <laughs> so we have to be careful about yes. where, where we go for those uh, because, um, you know, like um, just, just to throw like uh, gotquestions.org, uh, I think it is. Typically their answers are good, but... I, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a very gen, it's a very general right. answers to questions. Yeah. You know, um, and so you just don't take in what what some website has said, and rearrange your life around that. Make sure you're re- be willing to rearrange completely your life. Be willing to completely rearrange your life, but make it on the scriptures, not on what somebody said about them. Right. Right. I think that's where, um, you know, as we talk through this, like we see the importance of the church of, of relationship, even you were talking about, you know, welcome classes being different for, you know, everybody kind of has a different, Mm -hmm. a different desire, what that looks like. And I think, you know, you think about welcome classes that those are the good ones are meant to build relationships with others in the church. It's not necessarily, you know, some, some great uh, there, there can be really good theological stuff shared there, but just getting them into, into the church, getting them into that relationship. So are you saying the theology part of that's not practical? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> is, that, is that what I heard you saying? Oh, we don't want to go there. <laughs> um, but I, that same way, right, as we – like I'll talk about a lot. Like it's it can be easy to – you know, if you're studying Scripture, to get really off really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're, as you're in relationship, as you're communicating about these truths with others, that helps as a, as a check. Yeah, that's a really good uh, point. The relational part of it get, really gives a, um, a balance to uh, some of the wrong direction because of the care. When when you know someone cares about you, then you can trust some of, of their their um, their teaching while still connecting it to the scriptures. You don't want to just trust someone because they care about you, but there is a good balance there. That because someone who is following the Lord does care about you, you can check your check what you're thinking with with some of them. I think that's one thing that's been really hard with with the COVID mm. um, pandemic part is the disconnect mm. in people, and so yeah. we've seen a lot of people. Um, I we have had people, and I, I know of others who have allowed differences to grow that are. They're they're just they're they're going off, and they're not allowing the relationships to to balance mm-hmm. the the truth, and yeah. it's it's really sad. I mean, it's really um, it's heartbreaking, actually. It really is. It's that's one of the wonderful things about the church. It was intended by the Lord to bring us together, to allow us to as a family grow each other up in our faith. Yep. And when we're separated like this. Um, and people are beginning to go off on a tangent. There's no one to bring them back, yeah. and that's that's heartbreaking. Well, and even, and it's even unknown because of the separation. You don't even know that they're necessarily going off, or or what the tangent is. There's all kinds of different situations, but it's it's really challenging. It is. Um, but sticking to the correct 
sticking to what the text says uh, solves those things, right? Um, and having access to not not only are really good translations that are really good translations, mm -hmm. um, but also having access through uh, the ease of internet information, but also good software um, like Logos and, and, and I would say others, but I'm not aware of that many others at this point. Logos has got a, yeah, corner there, yeah, corner on the market there. Um, but uh, um, having the, those opportunities to, to see some of those early languages, um, the biblical languages, is, is uh, it's really helpful to, to know what the text says. It really is. And, of course, we move into the, the thought of, of culture. That's, that's such a big issue. Um, we assume we understand from our culture what cultures before us must have been like we assume that we when we talk about jesus that we understand everything about what jesus's life was like but those assumptions are incorrect aren't they um jesus was the most complex human being who ever walked on the earth he was the god man he had characteristics that were different than ours and yet others that were so similar to ours and that he can actually be spoken of in the book of Hebrews as the one who knew us because he lived among us but he didn't live among us in the 21st century right. he lived among human beings Jews mostly in his lifetime who some of whom saw him as the Messiah and followed him, others did not. But in order for us to really appreciate the Old and New Testaments, we need to study things about the cultures and the histories of what we find in the Bible. That information is also available to us. Is everything that has been written about the Old Testament history and the New Testament history about the people of of uh, Moab and the people of uh, Corinth. Uh, is everything about that cut and dried? Is it all finished? No, if you went to scholars' writings, you would conclude that they are going to go on forever agreeing or disagreeing about various points of all of that. Mm -hmm. But the majority of it is settled. Right. We have the answers to what those cultures were like. We know what it was like at that point in history. But we've got to immerse ourselves in those cultures and that history. That's what pastors do when they give the cultural background of what's happening in a text. That's what we do when we study a portion of the Word of God. We expose ourselves to a portion of truth that relates to a period of time uh, in a people group that we're only familiar with by what we've read in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that means that if our reading in the Bible is sparse, scarce, next to nothing, <laughs> we probably also know that little about those cultures and right. about that history that are so vital to help us to understand the word better. I recently thought of something that, that was interesting thinking about past culture. When we think about past culture, we think about things that they don't 
that they don't didn't have that we do that they did differently that we could do better like mm -hmm. i really don't didn't want to live in a world without a microwave because you know who wants to have to cook for hours every day you know um planes and cars and motorcycles and right all the all the vehicles we have and um you know t toothpaste uh i mean just all kinds of uh, deodorant i mean deodorant great invention um all those things we think we think about the things they didn't have but they didn't think about any of those things they no. didn't make any difference to any of never them. missed them right it was it was no different so i thought that was interesting we we tr we kind of think back to those things and we think how how different it was and it certainly was different but they weren't thinking about, at the time they weren't thinking anything about how slow it was to get from here to there or um, right. how people smelled because they didn't have deodorant or you know what i mean i mean they did think about people smelling but it wasn't everybody had some level of odor right and and they didn't think about the time it took to cook because it took everybody the same amount of time and and so we think back about those things but they weren't thinking about them so when you read it, it you do have to put yourself back where there's not planes and automobiles and right. motorcycles but you also have to recognize they're living normal lives that's right at the same time we talked about worldview right and we have to understand the fact that in order for us to get a biblical worldview we also have to understand that the people who were in the bible had, had worldviews world yep. uh, that when you see uh, moses arguing with the lord about the destruction of the people whom he was ready to wipe his hands of the lord knew full well moses he knew the people. He knew what the argument would be. He hadn't intended to wipe them out to begin with. But in order for that argument to be recorded for history and those events to be recorded for us to understand where they had taken their relationship with the Lord, all of that had to be there. Moses' view of God and the people he was with. Aaron's view, the people's view of one another, the deodorant or lack thereof <laughs> was not an issue. They all stank, but the thing is they did it together and were not aware of it because that was ordinary life for them. Right. Uh, and the idea of, of some people that, well, I couldn't have lived in a world like that. Well, that's easy to say but you weren't born mm -hmm. into a world right. like that. Yep. It's, it's one thing for us to study about what the people were like, and, and I'm, I'm going to use a contemporary example because it's important in this context. Um, it's one thing to say, well, the people in Africa do this. And then to stop and think about the fact that when we say the people in Africa, we're talking about thousands of tribes of people who all do different things. There is no Africa people. There are the people who are in Africa. Africa is just a continent. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And if we think about the fact that we're talking about the habits or the cultures that were described by a missionary in 1878 of the Bantu tribe at this particular location, my friends, the Bantu tribe in that particular location hasn't existed for 200 years. It's it's valuable for us to put ourselves out of where we are 
and put ourselves into where those people are because their culture as described in the 19 or the 1800s is not the way their culture is today. In fact, globalism has made it so that people who live in, uh, in huts live in thousands and thousands in huts in some parts of the world where there's extreme poverty, have antennas over their hut, and they know things about the world that nobody a hundred years ago would ever have known. Yeah. So even the, that is important as we look at, you know, the New Testament and contextually looking, you know, we look at Galatians and that was written to a specific, you know, city. And then we see uh, Ephesians written to a different city, right? Same time period. They're not even that far apart. It you yes. know, probably could be a, a week's walk, you know, whatever it is. But those those cities have very different life, right? And there was and they're written for very different reasons. And so even in that you know, we might even have a good idea of what of what Israel was like at the time of when Jesus was there. But, you know, 40 years later, 30 years later, however long later in, you know, at, at different cities, just because we know what Israel is like doesn't mean we know what that place was like. And so all that contextualization is, is important as we as we read uh, as we read through Scripture. And even like um, um, I recently did a, a teaching through um looking at Jesus in Revelation, the book of Revelation, and part of that was looking at those chur the churches there mm -hmm. in chapters 2 and 3, and to see some of the cultural background for even those cities that were not very far apart and really were of the same culture, all had differences in, their, uh, in what was important in that city, um, not only were there were the churches different because churches are just different, but the the town the the cities had particular things about them that changed the letter that was yes. written to that city. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was it's interesting um, the cultural is the cultural background is really important. It really um, is to understand even better what's being what's actually written to the audience at the time so we can understand what the text is really saying so that then we can see what it means for every believer if it means it for every believer or you know those application steps um, but yeah culture um, culture and history are, are really an important component of that um, of that understanding and it's hard it is hard to take, I'll say for me, it's hard for me to take my logical law um, rules uh, brain and put that aside. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that I have to put it aside, but it's definitely not the predominant culture of the scriptures. Um, and so, um, where when when there are clear um, rules given, I welcome them. <laughs> when justification happens, when I'm stamped, you know, when I'm stamped approved, I welcome it. Um, but most of the relational things in the scriptures are not from a Western mindset. No, they're from collectivist cultures, group cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, the New Testament letters were written to churches that were in group cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we recognize the fact that 
a lot of these teachings, if we can get them into their proper culture, and we're going to talk about context the next time, when we put them into their context, when we put them into their culture, when we put them into their right place in history, it really makes the understanding of the what is being said to those people just pop. It makes it flash off the page. It's so exciting. The book of Philemon is like that. That yeah. that, uh, yeah. that uh, Paul is saying to Philemon in a very kind way, in a very approachable way, um, some things that are actually not harsh, but uh, look, you, you, you better do these things, right? You better, you better react this way um, or uh, you know, or I will be highly disappointed in you, Yes. you know, um, and, but it's still, it's a very, it, so we still see that that relationship is still in the world, that, that type of inner working. It's not in our culture, right? It's not our culture. Cause we would say, um, you know, hey, here's Onesimus, you need to forgive him because, you know, he, he did wrong and he's coming back to you. And, you know, you, you, we would we would just say it straight. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need <laughs> to do. do it. <laughs> right. But that's not the culture no. of Paul talking to Philemon. And he's his saying, you, you know, you could put it on my account like Philemon's going to put it on Paul's account. Really? You know, <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. And, and I know you'll do far more than this, meaning, hey, buddy, you better do far more than this. Right. Right. Um, and so it's it's interesting. The uh, the culture really adds a lot to even the book of Philemon is a good example of that interpersonal. It does. The way interpersonal relationships worked at the time. And history does the same thing, especially when you combine it with prophecy. If we read the passage among the letters that John wrote to the churches that reminds the Ephesians that unless they go back to their first love, that they're going to have their lampstand removed right that that statement by itself doesn't mean an awful lot until you realize the fact that the church at ephesus now doesn't exist Mm -hmm. its lampstand was eventually removed church history tells us the story of how those churches many in many cases just simply ceased to exist the reading of church history, at least later church history, isn't something that we're saying you have to do. But if you know it, you see things like Jesus's teachings being fulfilled in 70 AD when when Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And you begin to say, yes, there's even more. There's not only the history of what is there, but there's also the prophetic outgrowth of that history that is reflected through the past gives us confidence in the instructions of the Word of God in regard to both what you should be doing now and where things are going mm-hmm. and helps us to believe that God is going to be just as faithful to keep his promises in the past in the future as he did in what is revealed to us in the Word of God, I think people, um, I think people may end up uh, often one of two ways: either they don't read church history, or 
church history can become on par with the mm-hmm. scriptures. And neither of those are good. Right. Right. The scriptures, right. The, the reason that we would do the cultures and the church history is to better understand the scriptures because the scriptures are, are the, uh, the point. They're the elevated thing. Um, and so um, I, I always think it's interesting uh, at times people, it seems like they only study church history. It's like, what, what, what happened to the scriptures? <laughs> what happened to the scriptures there? And so you, all of it is to, to better understand the scriptures. It keeps driving us back to, back to God's word. And that's what we want to do with you. We want to drive you back to God's word, uh, have you take it in and, uh, and learn it. Uh, you can learn it. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to work with you to help you understand the scriptures. You can understand the words that are written there. God used the vocabulary of the authors who wrote it, and that is a vocabulary that you can understand as well. Uh, well, thank you for uh, taking part in today's podcast. If you want to uh, give feedback or give thoughts, please do. You can do that through email at pd at crossbridgeindy.com. Pastor Dan, pd at crossbridgeindy.com. You certainly could leave a comment or review for us on YouTube or on the uh, Apple podcast, and we'd love for your uh, subscription and involvement there. It'd be good. And we just thank you for taking, uh, taking part in our Three Gens Theology podcast. We enjoy doing it and hope that it is a support for your growth in Christ.